Welcome to Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay, and I unfortunately cannot be an investor in your company. <laughs> I'd love to be. Very much would love to be. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> you don't ever. <laughs> you you don't ever prep me for those, and that one got me in a way that not many have so far. I appreciate that. Welcome to Always Listening. Uh, we're. We're a couple of uh, knuckleheads that try to give you a uh, look into what's happening in the world of uh, podcasting, in particular the podcast business, the ad side of it, the creative side of it, uh, the big companies that sometimes hold us by the uh, uh, ones and zeros. It's not that I <laughs> don't want to be. I just don't have the means. That's the whole thing. Like If I had no, the it's means. It's all about sweat equity. It's sweat equity, if Jay. I, if I had the means, I'd be able to do it. I just, unfortunately, I don't have the means. Oh, oh goodness. Folks, we've got a lot to get to and, and not much time, so let's get right into our topics. First off, it's actually not first in our list, but I want to get to this first. Some follow-up. We we occasionally do follow-up, and we got some great follow-up uh, last week, Jay, that I was really excited about. Really? We got an email from uh, Dave Jackson, the Woo! Hall of Famer himself, uh, and uh, now ensconced over at Libsyn. And uh, first of all, as I told him in the email, it's really nice to know he's listening. <laughs> so, hi, Dave. <laughs> Good to have you on board. Uh, he said, gents, Libsyn has had dynamic ads since 2006-ish uh, under LibsynPro.com. Now, uh, and and I, I said this to Dave, but you and I both knew about Libsyn Pro, obviously, and yep. that offering. And I think we've referenced it in different ways. We didn't really consider it alongside these other dynamic ad offerings because Libsyn Pro is not really of av- I mean it is technically available to everyone but it's also like a $99 a month package I think or higher right. I can't remember the specific it's a very exp- it's it's for big businesses and for right. corporations or for for brands coming into the space the smaller uh, podcasters not, the not going to make back their money by doing Libsyn sorry yeah. sorry Libsyn and Dave and all of you but I mean to be quite honest you there's no reason to price your dynamic ad insertion that high. Well, but that's so, your business model and that's and that's your choice. It, it it's a different tack. It's a completely different tack on the idea of why dynamic advertising exists. They use it for this premium service. Other people, and I referenced with Dave specifically Audio Boom and now Anchor as companies who are doing it in a very different way as in, hey, you just come in and I mean Audio Boom doesn't even exist anymore, I don't think. But when they, they started, do. their big deal was you could you could sign on, anybody could use you for free, and we'll monetize your show and share the revenue with you. Uh, other companies have done this as well. Spreaker has it with their prime program. Almost a select group it's not entirely open i gotta tell you almost every company right now has done it they've either launched recently or they're in the process of launching it or they're in the process of getting it or they're or they're using they're sub licensing out somebody else's tech to put into their platform almost everybody has it and like i just said most of them are not charging you know the the libs and pro prices for use of it and Dave did say also, by the way, that they're working on updating the interface for that. And I imagine as part of that, that they may even come in with a separate offering, again, to to make it more competitive to those people who want to sort of ramp into podcasting. I, I don't know. That speculation, that wasn't in his email. Here's what was, though, the ad marketplace. So we talked about why is it taking so long? This has been out there for forever. Where is it? What are they waiting on? 
it wasn't officially announced. It's still not been officially announced, I don't think, technically. James Cridlin found it by digging around in the financial stuff and reported it himself. And so I think they eventually said it to investors, but it's still not something that is it's it's not an official initiative yet technically uh so that's where that is it's it's why it's taken so long it's because it's not it wasn't ready it wasn't ready when it got uh unrolled by james and then they sort of had said yeah okay we're working on that but it's still not ready yet that's the point um so thank you for that follow-up uh from dave and again like i said thanks for listening i it is interesting you know evo tara sent me a couple of emails uh, a couple of weeks ago uh i hear all the anytime i misplace an advertisement i hear from jonathan oak specifically (laughs) uh I, i we, I hear every now and again from Mark Asquith for listening to the show. The people that I respect in podcasting, it's nice to know that they're listening to us and we'll try to maintain content that will keep you listening. Yeah, remember, anything technically – well, anything that technically goes wrong is Joel's fault. I just want, I just want it, that, that to be – That is absolutely true. 100% clear. I, I'm just, uh, I'm just here turning on the microphone. for what he says. Right. I'm just here <laughs> turning on the microphone, sounding like a total jerk in the podcasting industry. And then Joel, you know, goes and makes our, our, our technical stuff sound crappy so that it sort of, you know, it, it, it counterbalances my jerkiness. You guys should hear the stuff that I leave on the cutting room floor. You'd really mm. think Jay had it out for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Did you tell him? Uh, Jay, wait, you did got... you leave that part in about the thing where I blew up the entire podcasting industry? Did you? Did you, yeah, you I guess you didn't. <laughs> no, no, I took that, took that out. Oh, okay. You've got some more Libsyn follow-up, though, from... Our buddy James Cridlin, as a matter of fact. Listen, thank God for James Cridlin, all right? <laughs> the man, I'm, I'm going to steal your line from a, from another article that you're, we're going to talk about. He is really doing the Lord's work because this guy, he is a rabid journalist. Uh, he will report on whatever he finds, and he's been all over the Libsyn, you know, the try to take over, I guess. That's how I'll label it. Um, the minority shareholder who, who's been trying to get rid of the Libsyn board members. But uh, the Libsyn board uh, has changed their company bylaws to require a vote from the majority of shareholders to make such a change. And thus, the minority shareholder who's basically operating as a lone wolf, I think, at this point, is uh, his, his attempt to uh, change the board of Libsyn has uh, mercifully probably hasn't come to an end but it, it really has come to an end and that's why i brought up the fact that i unfortunately can't invest because i would gladly take over their shares i just don't have the means to do that i, I want to point out that i am very pro libsyn maybe not pro libsyn pro but pro libsyn at the very least <laughs> yeah well first of all that just seems like hedging to me it's like it's the corporation protecting itself probably makes what we already said was a very unlikely takeover, less likely. Right. <laughs> um, but again, as I said last week, you don't have to take the company over to influence the direction of the company. And it may be that this central tenet, which is that we should be more aggressive in the podcasting market as a company. We Being the biggest you know, dog in the kennel doesn't mean that we always should be peaceful and lay back. We should we should be aggressive as well and move forward. And uh, that might make some changes. Well, I am very curious about their ad marketplace because let's just go back to that and lay it on the line. All right. Dave Jackson and Rob Walsh specifically have been very much against the use of dynamic ad insertion in podcasting for smaller podcasters because they say, is it really worth it for you to make, you know, 10 bucks a month uh, to have a 
an ad, one of those naughty little ads that are going to turn off your audience. And to me, my response is, one, you can make more than $10 a month, even using your average podcast number, which you release on a monthly basis. You, you say what the mean number is. Using that number, you can easily make 20 to $30 a month, depending on how many of those naughty little ads you want to have in your podcast that aren't turning off your audience. And there's more notes on that. I mean, we might as well jump into some of these other stories here about talking about how brand advertising is actually growing in podcasting. And this is from Westwood One, specifically Cumulus Media's uh, executive vice president of marketing. And she is the president of Westwood One, Suzanne Grimes. And she said direct response podcast spending was only up 22%. Brand advertising represented nearly three quarters of the entire spend increase in U.S. podcasting and is growing five times faster than direct response. And once dominated by direct response, podcast revenues are nearly split between brand and direct response. In 2016, direct response represented 73% of podcast spend. Brand campaigns made up only 25%. But comparing 2016 to 2018, Brand spend grew from 25 to 38%. Branded content rose from 2% to 10%. All of this is saying a lot more brand advertising is getting into podcasting. This was a conversation I had on uh, uh, The Wolf Den uh, with, at the time, uh, Lex Friedman, who was still working there. Uh, we had a conversation about brand advertising and specifically host-read brand advertisements. Uh, and how they were getting a lot more increase in that regard, uh, which I said was great. Hey, if there are more companies like you that are going to bring more brand advertising into podcasting, this is fantastic. But again, when you're talking about host red ads, you have to have a ginormous audience, at least 5,000. That's the new, that's the new number. And when I was, you know, head, head over heels in it, it was 10,000. When you get to 5,000, they are literally just testing you out and your test probably won't go all that well and they're going to leave and they're going to wait for you to grow a larger audience. And the reason why is because they're looking for massive scale and they know that the larger your number is, the better the percentage number on return of people that will actually you know, react to your call of, to action will be for them and thus they'll get a better return of investment. Uh, if you have a larger audience, a smaller audience makes that risk much higher for them that they don't want to spend on. However, that's where these other companies such as uh, Spreaker and VoxNest and AudioBoom and Acast, and where they are putting in the same types of ads you typically hear on the radio into your podcast, they are working and they're working well. And no, it's not hundreds of dollars. It's not thousands of dollars. You're not going to be able to leave your day job for the money that you're going to make from it. But you're going to make something. And would you rather make something or would you rather make nothing? And that's ultimately what it all comes down to when it comes to this. And you just have to make that decision on your own. Nobody wants to recreate what's happening in terrestrial radio. Let that be clear as well. Nobody wants to see that. Because if that's what's going to happen, then yes, podcasting will fall on its face. At the same time, there's opportunity for you as a podcaster to create another stream of revenue, which is what I've always said. Have multiple streams of revenue. Have a have an ad full stream 
where people will hear ads on that show and let them understand that if you don't like the ads, if you don't want to hear ads, I still need to keep the lights on. I still need to pay the bills. You can come and support me at my Patreon page or somewhere else where you can donate a certain amount of money that will give you an ad-free stream. And now you've created you've created an opportunity for yourself. I you know what? Here's your homework. I don't we we you've we, you've talked about that several times since you and I've been doing this show. This is your homework this week. You go figure out what is the best option for us to set up such a feed. And from now on, when we post to our regular uh, RSS feed to uh, to Spreaker, we will also add the. I'll send the show to you, and you can upload it into the whatever we decide is going to be our premium feed. And if you're a listener to the show and the ads have annoyed you in the past, you're like, look, I'd pay to get it on Tuesday nights instead of Wednesday morning, and I'd I'd pay a buck a show or whatever it ends up being to not have ads ever. I'd throw a few dollars Joel and Jay's way. There you go. And and that'll be the thing. And you know what? I'm signed up to keep the ad revenue. You'll sign up to keep the Patreon money or whatever it ends up being. And we'll see. It will be an experiment for a year. Well, let's see what uh, what is the best route for a niche show. We're, we're a show that does not get, since we've switched topics and since we've switched our focus to the industry itself as opposed to just reviewing and discussing podcasts, uh, we've we've dropped down under a thousand downloads per show every time. It's a concentrated audience, really, that downloads it right away. That's about four or five hundred. Uh, like that is our meat and potatoes, so to speak. So knowing that, there's a lot of hobbyist podcasters out there that their topics are bringing them that same sort of audience. Let's do an experiment. I'll make more and let's money. Let's show the numbers at the end of a year. I guarantee you, you'll make more money. Yeah, but. It'll be interesting to see exactly what the numbers are and what is realistic for, again, and we're well-established at this point. This is not a new show. So, again, this is not something that you can replicate right away. But if if you get out there and you and you put out a name for yourself and then you make an offering to your audience, what can you expect? Yeah. That would be – I would like to see those numbers myself. Let's do that. You, so, so this week or next week, we'll do the research behind the scenes. We'll set it up and we'll start talking about it on the show. And then we'll just track it. We'll do monthly or quarterly updates and let you guys know how it's going over time. Cool. That will be an interesting uh, behind the door, uh, behind the scenes thing. There you go. I like that. I like that a lot. And and then and then we'll know we'll have a, a a test example for you guys to say, look, this is what you can make with dynamic advertising with no extra effort from yourself, with with no pleas to your audience. And and it it doesn't seem to turn off the audience because our audience is or look, if it turned off the audience, it turned them off a long time ago. The audience is consistent week to week. And I'm looking at my like listening statistics through Apple. Those are consistent week to week. It, the, people listen to the whole darn show. Some of them skip the ads. But you'd be surprised how few do. Uh, so, uh, speaking of skipping ads, saving time, uh, contraction of uh, <laughs> our uh, entertainment uh, expenditures, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you mentioned earlier I said that uh, someone was doing the Lord's work. It's Marco Arment. That's what I, I wrote in our um, notes here, our show notes. I said that Marco Arment, the creator of Overcast, among other apps, uh, overcast.fm and he's on Twitter at overcast.fm uh, someone had tweeted at him and asked said I would be intrigued to know how many hours of silence overcast.fm has saved from humanity in total and what he's talking about here is in the app itself uh, overcast which is available only for iOS I'm afraid so our listeners who are on Android 
you're out of luck on this one. Marco is an Apple lover. He's said repeatedly that he's never going to farm it out to another company to let them make an Overcast app for Android, <laughs> and he's personally never going to make one unless you can port the code over. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe if Swift uh, rules the world eventually, maybe that'll happen. So uh, if you go into the settings, though, on your Overcast app, if you are an Overcast listener, hit the little settings button at the top left and then scroll all the way down to the bottom of the settings menu. And there is a little bit of text that says smart speed has saved you an extra blank hours beyond speed adjustments alone. So now I'm an Overcast user from day not one because it was actually paid uh, when it first came out, you had to, I think it was three ninety nine or four ninety nine or something like that. I didn't buy it day one. I bought it day two though. <laughs> and I've used it ever since then a lot. It is my only podcast app other than I use the Apple podcast app to check my own shows and client shows just to make sure that they're consistently showing up properly. But I don't listen there. I listen in overcast always. Smart speed has saved me personally 479 hours beyond speed adjustments alone. Now it's been out four years and change, almost five years now, maybe five years in the fall, I think. Um, so almost a hundred hours per year, it'll probably be a little more than a hundred hours per year by the time that we get around to the next birthday. And what is smart speed? If you don't listen to the thing, most of the podcasting apps, the third party podcasting apps have adopted this, but it is, they take the silences in the show and truncate them dynamically. So it doesn't speed up the voices at all. It's not like turning it up to 1.5 or, or 2x or anything like that. It is literally truncating the silences and shrinking things down. The only time where it sounds funny at all is sometimes for music. It, it'll mess the beats up on music and it'll just sort of truncate that too. But that's the only time you'll ever notice it. Otherwise, it is really, really well done. And Again, since he implemented it first, this was what he launched with was smart speed. And he also has a voice boost that makes, uh, in particular, if you're listening to the speaker phone, if you're listening to the, the speaker on your phone, uh, it sounds much better using voice boost with overcast than it does with any other app, I would think. Um, but those two features he launched with everybody else has copied him since then. And I'm so glad that they have. Here's what Overcast tweeted out to that to answer that question. I would be intrigued to know how many hours of silence Overcast FM has saved from humanity in total. He says a little over 1,898 years it's of a lot. time. Now, Overcast is a very small app in the total podcasting ecosystem. It's one of the largest third-party apps. Uh, according to Libsyn statistics that they give out on a regular basis, but it is still very small. It's I think on a, it's like three or four percent is where it hovers around of the total downloads. Um, it is sort of the diehard fan base, but again, many other third party apps have adopted this feature. I would love to know what that total number is from all of the apps, you know, mm. because they've adopted it. And then the other thing that I immediately think Jay is. How sad that Apple hasn't adopted this yet, that Google hasn't adopted this yet in their own podcast app. I would love to see them do it as well so that everyone gets access to this feature and can take advantage of this because it, it doesn't change the content. That's the most important thing to me. This is not about like speeding everybody up and making them sound like this and the conversations go. It's not like that. <laughs> I listen to things sped up sometimes. Uh, Rob Walsh says always when he's hanging out with actual podcasters, it sounds like they're all drunk because he's used <laughs> to hearing them sped up. Uh, so it's not like that. This is literally just getting rid of the silence. Now, for a highly produced NPR show like one we're going to talk about here in a second, 
maybe you don't want that, but it's easy to turn the feature off. But for hobbyist shows like ours, I think it's great for educational shows where they're just describing a topic or explaining how to do something to you or giving you some motivation. I think it's wonderful. And, and again, so Roman Mars said it like a hundred years ago at a podcast movement, you know, every minute that you edit out, if you have a thousand listeners, it's a thousand minutes saved for the world. This Marco's doing that for us, even without our editing. I love it. My question to you, Joel, is this pause for dramatic effect. What does it do with that? What does it do with that space that I just did? So it truncates dynamically, right? So it does not erase every silence. It trims the silences based on the length of the silence. So the generic pause that you and I have between speaking is one length. The pause for dramatic effect is a different length. The pause for dramatic effect stays in relation to the simple breaks between sentences. They just all get shortened. You know, I'd really like to hear what William Shatner sounds like with silent truncating. <laughs> oh, oh man. Or uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Just feed the audio from Rocky Horror Picture Show through. I see you shiver with Antissa. Patient. <laughs> well done. Well done, sir. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, Mr. Indie Podcaster versus NPR. You had some interesting numbers from uh, In the Dark. Yeah, so uh, this came from the Podcast Business Journal, but I believe a couple of the uh, newsletters. Well, all the newsletters carried the story about In the Dark because that is a podcast that is produced uh, from or it's distributed by American Public Radio. Uh, And that podcast was cited as evidence that helped overturn the conviction of Curtis Flowers. Uh, They spent their entire season two uh, covering this story of Curtis Flowers. uh, And it's, you know, hey, phenomenal, a podcast that did some good in the world. However, uh, the host of the show, Madeline Baran, says, From living in and reporting from Mississippi for almost a year to the time spent writing, producing, and editing, it's a time-intensive, expensive project to bring you each episode and ultimately help lead to a result like this one. The cost, she estimates, for American Public Radio is $100,000 per episode. So, I mean, unless Mr. Indy Podcast is also Mr. Deep Pockets and would like to take over the minority shares over at Libsyn. Uh, $100,000 per episode. A lot of people don't make $100,000 in a year. And they're getting paid $100,000 just to create one episode of a podcast. Uh, By the way, I, I would dare say that budget rivals television and film production costs as well. Now, she's obviously including the fact that she's living in Mississippi for a year, which is clearly not her home, her home. So that would factor in, but still that's a huge bill that you are just not going to compete against. You're definitely on Libsyn pro though, if you're spending that much per episode. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I strongly agree with you on that point. I suppose, uh, you know, 
there are ways to do this. We've talked about this in the past. There are there are versions of this show that you can do as an indie podcaster. It's just about knowing your limitations and then about partnering perhaps with an organization, right? right. You cannot pull this off as a solo person. But if you have a club or a local organization who is like-minded with a, with a passion or uh, the drive for whatever particular topic or subject matter that you're covering – then it's possible to do it on a shoestring version of this. And the real thing, and you and I have talked about this in the past, you referenced movie and TV budgets, $100,000 per episode, I would think, is still exponentially smaller than most of the current. Again, this is compared against prestige TV or prestige movies. You, you, you look at, you know, I mean, obviously Game of Thrones is different. That's tens of millions of dollars per episode right. now. But, but even the big TV shows that launch on NBC and ABC – Million-dollar budgets per episode are not out of the realm of normal anymore, um, again, for those major productions. So to me, I think this is where brands look at this and go, oh, wait, there's an opportunity. I mean, I think of Marvel specifically and what they do in books and audiobooks and now podcasting. And I feel like it is – they're all examples of ways to feed our audience, ways to benefit from our IP – at a lower expenditure rate than movies and television, which we're also going to do. But like those projects are fewer and far between. We can experiment on lots of things in the audio space because these budgets are so much smaller. Well, and you also have to remember, I wouldn't compare this type of podcast to a television, a scripted television program, for instance. But I would compare it. I would compare it to like a 60 Minutes or 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 a 2020 well, or something like that and and they probably do have a higher budget than 100,000 per episode but at the same time it I don't know 100,000 per episode for a podcast still sounds extremely large to me let's I'll just put it I'll just leave it at that I would love to see the budget for the recent HBO series about Adnan Sayed, I can't remember the specific title now, but it's effectively their version of the serial story, mm. where they brought in Rabia Chaudhry and and you know a lot of the people that were involved tangentially to that. Uh, I'd love to see the budget on that. I bet it's north of a hundred grand. I bet it's multiples of a hundred grand. I bet it's four or five hundred grand an episode at least. Now again, that was only like a four or five episode series. I think it was just a mini series, basically. But um, yeah, I, I think that's that's the comparison. So again, these are exponentially more than you and I can afford on an episode-to-episode basis, likely as individuals. They are exponentially less than these brands are expecting to pay for video production, I would say. Uh, yeah. You want to talk about the IAB? Speaking of more people doing the Lord's work, Daniel J. Lewis uh, doing some investigative work on being IAB certified versus anything else. And by the way, Rob Walsh has put this quite clearly. There is no such thing as IAB compliant. Uh, That is just a marketing phrase. You are either IAB certified, which means you have gone through the process. You are going through the IAB certification process, which Libsyn is currently in right now, or you are not IAB certified. Those are the only three categories that you can be in. Now, why is it important? Well, Daniel J. Lewis has been running bots on his podcast, and he's checking out how the download numbers are being reported. And he has said in his initial experiment that there are specifically three companies that claim to be, quote unquote, IAB compliant that are erroneously counting his bot. 
uh, and he'll be running a full report on his Audacity to podcast website when he has the full data in front of him and can put it in, you know, a nice format that we can all read and listen to. And we will certainly report on it again when that is done. Uh, but just sort of interesting to note as people are going out there and they're saying, oh, we don't need the IAB. We don't need this. This is this is all just a bunch of marketing. I, I saw the co-founder of Buzzsprout saying that the IAB certification process is a sham and and should be reconsidered. There should be a different organization that should be in charge of this. And whether or not there should be a different organization in charge or not, whether or not there should be a trade association for podcasting or not, that's irrelevant at this point. Like, I actually kind of agree that there should be those things in place. But right now, there isn't. Right now, we have the IAB, and if you're not certified, they're really the only numbers that pod, that podcast advertisers are accepting at this particular point. Now, by the way, if you're not interested in advertising on your podcast at all, you don't think you're going to be interested in advertising on your podcast at all in the future, you don't care about IAB certification. However, if you are interested in making money from your podcast in any sort of way from advertising... And if you are interested in making money from your podcast, it should definitely be a revenue stream, as we previously discussed, then you are uh, very much interested in having IAB certified numbers, because right now it is the only standard that exists. It will probably be the only standard that exists for quite some time. Even if we were to start a trade organization today, it's going to take at least a year for that organization to get up and running and to be fully able to start doing things. So we, so there you go. We, at the very least, we have a year before we can get any sort of trade organization going. And right now you have to be IA certified or you're not. And the numbers that are being reported. And as I mentioned last week, I learned that Spotify is a platform that is not IAB certified. Blueberry has said that they report their Spotify numbers separately from their IAB certified numbers. However, there are other platforms like the one we are on, on Spreaker, that do not split out the Spotify numbers from the IAB certified numbers. So that right there is already an issue in even IAB certification. Yeah, I mean, it makes you wonder what it, how does that work on the back end? Again, uh, it's a little bit above my pay grade. Uh, Jay, we both have uh, interesting podcasts to talk about this week, but before we get to that, we We've got to say why we were discussing investing at all. Uh, let's talk about investing in podcasting. It's been a big deal so far. It's funny. My my cousin, I was speaking with uh, them the other day, and they said, oh, man, podcasting's like blowing up, huh? Uh, Apple's uh, finally going to give you guys uh, some big money. And it was so funny that for them – the story was Apple still. And I was like, well, actually, <laughs> Apple hadn't spent any money or done anything in a while. It's Spotify. Spotify spent, you know, $400 million in change. It says they're going to spend some more. Uh, anyway, where where is this investing bubble taking us? I mean, that's a great question, right? So I think, uh, I think actually Rob Walsh and Elsie talked about this on the latest uh, feed episode uh, about how investments in podcasting are going right now. And this year has been fueled specifically by the big money that Spotify has put uh, into the investments that they have made. Uh, but it's not, it hasn't been the year with the most acquisitions or investments in it 
right now by far. It has had the most money, but not the most investments, which I think is interesting. And in this particular article here from Crunchbase, uh, Jonathan Gill is a founder of Backtracks, says that there's, quote, remaining gaps in podcasting, content monetization, deep analytics, and even the discovery of a podcast that is even interesting in the first place in the podcasting space are opportunities for startups, uh, which I think is is fair to point out that we don't have an overall arching concept in content monetization. Beyond IAB certification, there isn't an, a total agreement in terms of the analytics of podcasting. And even IAB certification still relies on the download as sort of the core metric that we're looking at. It doesn't provide the how long are people listening to uh, in radio terms. It doesn't provide the QM. Wait, no. It's the other way around, right? I don't remember. I don't remember the cum versus the uh, versus the total audience, or is that the same this thing? Is, I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting I, even I, above I'm my the head. Production guy. That's right. I'm the production <laughs> guy. You're the industry guy. I'm. I just produce. I just produce. And then there's that little discovery thing where everyone's arguing: is there a discovery problem in podcasting? I would argue there's not a discovery problem in podcasting. There's a discovery problem of your podcast, uh, but. Um, you know, there's still, I mean, only 52% of people or 53% of people are aware of the word podcasting. And in that 53%, not everybody knows exactly what that word actually means. They're just aware that it is a word that exists in the world. Uh, as my, uh, as my podcast crush, Tom Webster will let you know, uh, there's still a long way to go to becoming a mainstream media, but we are now technically over 50%. So, uh, Hey, congratulations, but we still have, we still have ways to go. And this particular article sort of highlights a lot of that. And you mentioned audio boom, audio boom is still around. Uh, and they just got $4 million more to go and buy more content, which seems to be what a lot of these companies, including Spotify are doing. And they are making content deals. Luminary has done it. Uh, and Audio Boom's been doing it for a little while. Acast does it. Uh, there's a number of companies out there that are actually specifically paying for content. So if you are producing great content and you have a good audience, uh, there's a possibility you could get some money from one of these companies as a content base. I'm part the podcast network was also just recently acquired by Spotify. Spotify seems to be the place though. If you're if you're going to get acquired for making content, uh Spotify is the place. iHeartRadio has done some acquisition deals for content as well. Uh yeah, they're just not as loose with the purse strings as no. uh, <laughs> as Spotify is. Spotify's are very loose. Um well, Jay, since we have no money to distribute to your mm. podcasts, <laughs> why don't shame. we just go ahead and highlight a couple uh, that we've been listening to lately? I'm going to get to mine first because it's a little less important than yours is. Um, <laughs> David Wait a Tennant mine's a not more important. With- it it is it's a better it's a higher minded subject absolutely uh, so i i have been I, I put this off it was in my list of to-dos but i hadn't actually listened to it i finally got around to it uh 
David Tennant does a podcast with. David Tennant, of course, one of the uh, Doctor Who uh, actors, but also he's done a bunch of other things. Uh, I guess the first thing that I really knew him in was the Jessica Jones series. I guess that's the first time I watched him. Anyway, he's a delightful personality, and the show is quite delightful. He has great conversations with a lot of different, um, primarily actors. Whoopi Goldberg and Jodie Whittaker and Ian McKellen were some of the first group, but he had Jennifer Garner. He had Kristen Ritter on, which was a really good episode. Tina Faye. Uh, The first season is done. There are 14 total episodes in the first season, so it's not like a forever commitment that you're making or anything. Uh, I don't know for sure when he's going to come back, but I really, really, really enjoyed these, and uh, I'm hoping for more sooner rather than later. Hmm. Interesting. I will have to let uh, my stepfather know, because he's a big Doctor Who fan. Um, All right. So... I wanted to listen to an award-winning podcast. I've often heard of podcasts winning awards. I'm a podcast award winner myself from podcastawards.com. But one of these big, bigger, fancier awards, I wanted to listen to a show that won a Peabody Award. And in 2017, the podcast Uncivil won uh, a Peabody Award. Uh, And Uncivil tells the stories of the Civil War that you probably didn't hear in school And also from the black perspective, uh, which I think you can understand would be a very much different perspective than that of a white male in the North or even you, Joel, a white man in the South, uh, where we have very different perspectives. The thing that drew me specifically to this particular podcast was that, in fact, I created an NFL podcast with 32 co-hosts because my whole deal is when you get different perspectives, you get closer to the truth. So f- listening to a show from a different perspective is something that I'm always looking to do. And they do it quite well. They, it's quite apparent why they won a Peabody. Uh, the three episodes that I specifically want to highlight, because I did binge all 13 episodes. Uh, the first one I will highlight is called The Song. The storytelling and production at the end of this episode is absolutely beautiful. There's no other word really to describe the the way that the story brings you on the journey and then leaves you at the end. Don't skip to the end to listen to how the production is done. Uh, You need to listen to the entire episode to really get the payoff. And that payoff brought tears to my eyes. That's how awesome it absolutely was. Purely phenomenal. The next episode I want to highlight is called The Paper, which was my favorite episode uh, of the bunch that is currently out there in the wild. It's about a con artist who unwittingly becomes a war hero, even if he's not really even given credit for it, because ultimately the man himself wasn't a hero and he wasn't doing it to become a hero. He was doing it to become profitable. Um, But it's it's an excellent story. And even that, that last part there where there's where I've given you sort of an editorial editorial there about the story just shows the different perspectives that you can get from from a story like this. And then the last episode I'll highlight is called The Fugitive, which is about George Washington. Yes, the first president of the United States uh, and his escaped slave Ona. Uh, there is a phenomenal tease going into their commercial break. Like if if you want to if you want a master's class or if you have a class teaching people how to produce podcasts going into commercials, this is the episode and this is the tease you need to listen to to hear how you produce around commercials, uh, how you tell a story and an important story like this one, and then include commercial breaks. I will say because it is Gimlet. 
that most of the commercials are all Gimlet shows. Isn't really necessarily commercials, so to say, as much as just promos for other shows in the Gimlet network. But uh, phenomenally done. The production is out of this world. There's a list of credits at the end that takes at least one and a half to two minutes for them to get through. Uh, so again, this is a show that is produced by a team of people, not by just one particular person. Uh, and listen, I highlighted three. I'm not going to sit here and say that all 13 episodes were necessarily award-winning. There are some that I felt more strongly about than others. Uh, and yeah. I highly recommend Uncivil. It's a it's a great listen. I'm excited about that. This it was one that I had again had had on my list, but I was like, well, and I honestly, and I think I've said this on the show too. I've sort of gotten burnt out on the Gimlet stuff, in particular, uh, I, their cross promotion in feeds wore me out. I was tired of getting shows that I didn't sign up for in the handful of shows that I was signed up for. I understand why they do it, but they burnt me out as a mm. listener. And maybe that was my own fault. Cause I listened to a lot of their early stuff. Uh, but because of that, I've really not paid attention at all. I didn't know that this was an award-winning show. I knew that it had come and gone. I had said, Hey, that's probably one that I should check out, but I hadn't yet. Thank you for the recommendation. I'm excited to get into it. The, you know, the thing that, that, uh, occurs to me, Jay, is that, <sighs> I mean, this is so podcasting is a lot of things like we talked about the advertising and how advertising is not for every show, but we also shouldn't demonize shows that feel like they want to just throw in some <laughs> ads. There's nothing wrong with Geico and Burger King helping pay for your hobby. Like right. if, if Geico and Burger King want to pay for your hobby, let them. Uh, th there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if that if you just make a you just make a. A, a decision personally for yourself. You, you just look at your options and make a decision. That's what I want from the industry. I hear other people in the industry saying, you got to do this or you got to do that. Uh, but the thing that occurs to me, Jay, is that podcasting is many things. It can be that hobbyist, like we talk about a niche like you and me, where we're just interested in a thing and we want to share our info and our excitement and passion about that topic with an audience that is also interested in that thing. Uh, there are people like a lot of my clients where they're promoting and growing their businesses with their podcast. But then something like Uncivil that is like education, that's like socially important information, a voice that wasn't heard and that probably couldn't be heard in traditional media has now been given a platform and a lot of money to produce a high quality show to allow that voice to exist and that story to be told. That is important. That's worth something. And so... If these giant tech companies <laughs> want to fight over the ability to fund that for however brief a window of time, I am here for it, my friend. I want more of it. Y'all I'll throw some Apple money at something special <laughs> like that, too. That's what I say. You know, and I will say this, too, about about that particular episode, even where I mentioned like there, I editorialized that one particular episode. I don't. I would love to hear that show being given without any sort of editorial from the hosts at all, um, just because the information is that important. Let me make that editorial decision on my own, because the way that you're telling the story doesn't allow me to make a decision any other way than the correct way. I'll just, I'll, and I'll put it at that. There's obviously going to be an argument over even what's the correct way or the, or the wrong way, but I just think... For myself personally, I, I just want to I want to hear the story. I don't I don't need to hear the editorial that goes along with the story. Absolutely.
Uh, Jay, let's uh, go ahead and wrap up. Tell everybody where they can find you if they'd like some more commentary or perhaps even consultation on their own podcast. Well, thank you, Joel. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Pod Vader, Pod Vader, uh, Facebook.com slash Pod Vader page, uh, specifically for consultation. And next week, I should have more information on a very special project that I'm working on. Uh, which will which will feature uh, much like this always listening part there at the end, uh, some recommendations of some shows that I'm listening to. Nice, very nice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Rogues Life or anywhere else. ProPodcastingServices.com. That's got all my links. And uh, until next week, we've been your hosts. I am Joel. I'm Jay. And really, if I had the means, I would I would absolutely invest in Libsyn. I just, I, I don't, I, I don't have the means. I, I, I'd love to be a Libsyn invest. I just, I don't, the means don't exist. You know, you know what you need? Company stock options. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, at alwayslisteningpod.com. In Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.